Welcome to the BMX in Our Blood. The purpose of this podcast is to explore the lives of people in our BMX community that can motivate us, can tell a story that may interest us, and overall entertain us. So our first podcast is an interview with Chelsea Fietzgoden, who is from Florida and an aspiring freestyle rider that will uh, definitely interest you in some way, I'm sure, as she discusses overcoming hurdles in life and in sport. So enjoy the episode and look forward to more in the future. Thank you. <laughs> let's, go, let's go straight to the BMX. Okay, so when did you start and uh, where? Let's see, I started BMX racing back in like 2000 at Okehilly Park in West Palm Beach and then drifted into freestyle when I was like 15. So this would have been, uh, let's see, probably about like eight or nine years after starting racing, got into freestyle in the same Palm Beach area before I moved up to Orlando. So freestyle's been about five years? It's been about nine years. Nine years? Yeah. And you, did you do both at one time at all? Or was it always? For probably a good like three to five year stretch there, I did like racing and freestyle. Yeah. So where did you ride when you first started to freestyle? Uh, Mostly street around my neighborhood. I really didn't have the means to get to like any parks or anything. And then the one park that was in my, like, near my town enough to, like, ride to, uh, they, like, charged for it and I didn't have a job. So I just rode street for, like, two years when I first started. And it was just, like, curb cuts and little parking lot gaps and stuff. Got it. When did it transition to, like, pools, transition bigger to stuff? Transition to transition. Transition <laughs> to transition, exactly. Uh, about two years in, the park that was in my town opened up for free again. Um, which it used to be and then they like changed it to charging like right when I started freestyle So then they made it free again after they realized like it wasn't worth paying to go there <laughs> and yeah. uh, I started going there and just became like a total just park rat pretty much <laughs> And you were how old then? Uh, this would have been getting into 17 or so. Okay And Did you stay in that area for a while? Uh, I probably lived there for about another year and then I moved to Orlando when I was like just about to turn 18 if not like right when I turned 18. Where was your first trip? Uh, first for riding, riding or uh, probably up to this area in Connecticut. Uh, I've got my friends Katie and TK so my first like actual solo like kind of just go out and meet up with friends trip like not that I was like getting taken to like a track with my parents or whatever that would have been um, my parents came up here, so I was with them, and it was kind of like the easy baby steps of like, okay, cool, let me like, let me steal the car and just go up to Massachusetts and meet up with those two, and we just rode around a couple of the local parks up there. How did you get to start to meet other women that ride and other girls that ride? Uh, honestly, I don't even know. Like, it was Katie and TK were first. Met them on Tumblr back in the day, and then I, on Facebook, I guess, like, Somehow or another, like, a bunch of girls that rode kept adding me, and I kept finding them, so I just kind of met a couple of them, and then as far as, like, just the whole, like, global scene with kind of, like, knowing everyone, that came about from, like, an old interview on the Come Up a couple years ago, where it's, like, if you follow BMX even slightly, you might have seen that around. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, definitely did. You want to talk about that at all? That interview? Uh, sure, why not? Was that a, was that a positive interview in, in your mind? Did it come across the way you you had hoped? Yeah, I mean, like I would like occasionally just like read back to double check. Because obviously, as you get older, like you learn new things, and like you sometimes like understand things better than you did when you were younger, and you wish you'd worded it differently. But as far as like other than explaining things a little bit better, I still stand by everything that I said the last time I read through, and like kind of checked it out just to make sure I wasn't like oh I regret that like so I mean I was pretty psyched on it and the impact that it had it really couldn't have gone better than than it did right so it was posted that come up interview was how long ago just Uh, about three years ago three years ago Mm -hmm. okay and what what kind of brought that on like was there a situation that that um kind of got the radar (laughs) like on you yes Um, so my best friend from Florida 
and I, her name's Betty, we like filmed edits of each other over the summer, posted those up, and then Sarah Lampert sent the video, like we were friends on Facebook, and she sent the video to the come up, just submitted it to them to post. They posted it and it kind of like exploded and had people like talking, so they wanted to ask a couple of questions to clear things up about it. Got it. Okay, cool. I had no idea that's that's how it all worked out. Yeah, more or less how it went down. <laughs> Got. It. Did that kind of open doors for you, or or did it did it create any hurdles? How did that affect you? On a the little bit of both. Um, it was definitely like a good opportunity to just kind of like get stuff out there and like not have any secrets about the fact that like yes, I am like the first openly trans BMXer like ever. Uh, it made it so like there was no like down the road like that coming to light and it being like this huge thing it's like okay cool that's out of the way like if you respect me now like knowing that's not going to change in the future sort of thing so that was nice and then it definitely like led to a lot of relationships from people that are supportive of basically this path that I'm forging um so a lot of good things have come from that a little bit of tension in some regards that some people aren't supportive some people are like more supportive for some things than other things so like now that it's getting into like competitions being a thing um since that's like public knowledge it's a little bit more of a question that people ask themselves all over again like is this okay um whereas like if i wasn't openly trans i know for a fact that it really wouldn't even be a big deal as far as like riding level wise i would probably blend in just fine but because it's public knowledge i feel like people tend to think I stick out a little bit more than I do. Right. So it, it seems to me that, that everyone has embraced you. So you're saying on the competitive side, so some of the, some of the women you feel like there, there may be like a question of, of whether you're on the even playing field. Is that even a yes. way to say it? Yes, exactly. So it's basically just there's this huge concern over whether or not it would be an unfair advantage for me to be riding in competitions with cis women. Um, and it's one of those things, like, I had to question it, too. Like, I'm not just going to, like, roll into it without giving it serious thought. Like, that's just kind of not my style to just do stuff without thinking first. Um, so I understand, like, where it's coming from because it is an entirely new thing. Like, if I do enter competitions here, like, I'll be the first person ever doing that like me. So... It uh, definitely is like a little bit of a like questionable area, but there's going to be like a little bit more resistance than I was hoping for. Just there are a lot of women that are like super psyched to have me as a part of the scene and like riding, making videos, going to like jams and stuff. But when it comes time for like competitions and especially now that it's getting serious with like more money and like recognition from other like governing bodies involved, there's a lot more tension that's coming up from that and I kind of expected that to be the case like it's not like I'm the first like trans athlete ever it's just I'm the first one for BMX freestyle I got you uh do you think equal pay is part of the issue like now that things are I know UCI related everything is is equal pay now you know wow. men are supposed actually, to be paid the same as women I didn't even know that that's news to me because I know like yeah. racing that's like an ongoing struggle still for like all forms of cycling like cyclocross road like UCI just really has not seemed to care about like women's cycling um mm -hmm. but I did notice like a huge shift with that because with BMX freestyle being governed a lot by the IOC is the whole reason anyone even went to UCI right. um the IOC is being pretty strict on them about like quotas as far as like nine men nine women for the Olympics but I didn't even look into the pay like I wasn't really concerned about that more or less is just like okay this is cool they're actually going to have like spots for us to compete and that's like a new thing for freestyle to have like major contests having classes for women to enter in right gotcha it it may be i i from what i understand on the racing end at national events or i'm sorry uci events and national events because usa bmx has taken it on uh the men have to be or I'm sorry, the women need to be paid, have to be paid the same as the men. And so if you have, say, 10 women racing, the purse for the 10 women is the same for the men, even if they have 20 guys entered. 
Oh wow, that's yeah. news to me. I didn't so know that. So that's uh, that's pretty neat, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's good news for women. It's it's been a little tough for the guys because now <laughs> it's it's harder to do it for a living because there still isn't enough money for either yeah, for, for yeah, men or women. Uh, honestly, I don't know if that has much to do with it though, because I really don't think a lot of people at least not in the women's scene, are really thinking a whole lot about the money at this point. Like, we're more just, like, stoked that we're finally getting included for anything, whether or not it's, like, yes, money is a huge issue. The fact that, like, Hannah Roberts was the world champion last year, and, like, after, like, traveling to international stops all over the world the entire year, the fact that, like, her first place prize for, like, the year end was zero dollars, like, nothing. Like, that was a problem. The fact that it was, like, absolutely nothing there. Um, But... I know for this coming year, they do plan on paying the women pretty well. So I really don't think that's much of a concern for most of the people involved at this point. Good. We were just at a a women's weekend at uh, Caddy and Posh in eastern Pennsylvania. That seemed to be a real joining of like-minded women that wanted to ride together. Did you find universal support and friendship there? Did you feel good about that kind of event what was your take on that for sure i've been going to like the jam style events where it's just everyone getting together having fun for a couple of years and uh those are definitely a different vibe than like the competitive side of things and honestly it's a completely different group of women at this point it used to be a lot of overlap but nowadays there's definitely like the women that frequent contests and there's the women that frequent the jams Um, which is sort of a new development but as far as like the jams and everything I've always felt like super welcome at those and just everyone's pumped to have everyone there like the more the merrier and just everyone inspiring one another to push themselves at whatever level they might be riding at Mm -hmm. perfect I saw the same thing it's just what I see isn't you know the full picture so I'm, yeah, glad, I'm yeah. glad to hear that's you know that's the perspective oh definitely yeah that's from you. very supportive environment not just for me for like anyone who goes to that it's yeah seriously like the best place to go if you like need support to like push your riding or overcome anything going on in your life is that's the place to do it right that's that's really good to hear it probably helps on more levels than most of us even realize so that's good Definitely. I don't know anything about contests, so like, enlighten me on contests for women because <laughs> I only know X Games for women. Uh, what other events are there? So really, X Games isn't entirely a thing for us at this point, um, and I don't know much about contests either. Like, that's sort of where this is at. Is like, we've already established, like, yeah, it's okay for you to like exist and be part of the scene and like do videos or whatever, but like as far as entering contests it's really not been established like how this is gonna go so I've never really done one I'm not super familiar with like what it's like even though I do know a lot of the women that are there but as far as like what contests have a space for women um the x games it's not really a contest at this point they've been doing demo jam things for a couple of years that have gone like a little bit better each year of like okay well you start off you get to ride the little mini ramp in front of the stadium now you got like an hour mixed in with the dudes practice early in the morning okay now you get your own hour now you get two hours now you get a couple more women but that's still like a very long drawn out struggle that really a lot of people are getting pretty burnt out on and ready to just be like okay we're over it because now we have contest series like the Vans Pro Cup that are offering actual like women's competitive classes Um, the Feast Series which is going to be the UCI World Cups um, they have the women's classes and that's going to lead into the Olympics which has like equal spots for men and women which is a pretty huge announcement that they just made so it's definitely like progressing a lot more from where it was before like prior to that it was basically like Metro Jam and not a whole lot else that I can remember off the top of my head, but most of that is before my time anyways. So in the U.S. it's primarily vans and really mostly vans that's being proactive on the women's end? Well, honestly, and even vans isn't necessarily like a U.S. uh, contest. That is like a global series, and they don't even have a stop to qualify for the finals in Huntington Beach in the U.S. So you do have to travel internationally to qualify for the Huntington Beach finals. So really as far as 
like women's contest scenes goes like you do have to be like on the level of traveling internationally to do any contest unless like your local series just happens to offer a class or something like that right i i know at woodward east they had like a last chance qualifier but was that men only yes they didn't do anything as far as the women's class as far as i know um yeah. i don't know if there was just nobody like in the women's scene wanted to go or if it was just that they didn't offer it because that was added like super last minute and i'm pretty sure that was from people like complaining like oh well how are americans going to qualify if they can't travel internationally when all these other countries got like stops in their like home country or whatever I'm pretty sure because that wasn't initially on the schedule as far as I know um, and I don't think they had anything for women at that one right so if you were to qualify for the Olympics which is an exhibition this coming or this coming it's, Olympics or is it a, it's a full, full on, on like nine spots for men nine spots for women so full it's a competition medal. yeah actual Olympic medals on the line for that one got it so to qualify for that you're saying it's going to be through probably yes or so, definitely yeah the exact process that they're following isn't quite nailed down yet and I'm mm -hmm. honestly not the most familiar with it either because I really only recently just started caring about how that's gonna go right. um, but I'm pretty sure the way they're looking at doing it is riders compete in the feast events for the next couple of years to qualify their country to be allowed to send riders since there's only nine spots available and then it's up to their country's like cycling organization, like we're USA Cycling, to select which riders get to go. That maybe based on like, okay, which riders qualified us, who's the current like highest in the point standing, or just maybe like whatever their coach decides is the best rider to send that they think has the best chance of winning them a gold medal. I got you. But the so US... it's a super confusing, like I really don't know exactly what's going on as far as that process yet. Right. And how many American spots again? Uh, so far, nobody knows. Like right now, there's really technically like nobody has any spots. There's just nine spots available for the whole world. Yeah, yeah. And then I think the IOC still needs to decide if they're going to have like some countries get more than one spot or if it's like if your country qualifies, you only get one just because with only nine oh. available, there's going to be a lot of countries that don't wow. get to be involved at all. So it's like if we're already so limited are we really going to do like some countries get more than one rider but then you have situations where like most of the top riders are from one country so it's a little bit of a question like what do we do there so that's why it's still it's such a new thing that i don't think they've worked it out yet unless i've just missed some kind of announcement right right now i follow you I, that could be tricky there's there's a lot of i think there's a lot of really good strong women riding now so if, if it's down to one spot that could be really difficult, which I would imagine they'd have to introduce the national series, most likely, just to narrow down that one spot. I think what they're probably going to do is just keep an eye on the Feast series. I don't know who the coach is going to be, if we're going to have a coach. It's really, like, as far as I know, still unorganized and undecided as far as how that's going to happen. But I do know that Nikita has changed her nationality, I believe, to Switzerland because she knows that qualifying from America with Hannah going for that spot is going to be really difficult. Um, so that's kind of why there is that argument for like, well, we have a lot of really talented women from the United States. Like, should there be more spots for the United States if they're like at the top of the world standings or are there going to be riders from countries that have like less of a competitive... Um, like there's not as many like really talented riders from these countries but they're like the top in their countries so to have like a large representation and diverse number of countries are we just going to limit it to like okay well america just gets one spot even though like let's say the top couple of riders are all americans right. it's really hard to say how they're going to do that right i got gotcha. you so if you had to travel internationally to to gain the ranking or to gain the spot would you do it Yes, I'm actually, so I've only recently, like, come to the answer for myself that entering in competitions and, like, really just allowing myself to have all the opportunities that everyone else has is the right thing to do. Um, so that's more or less why I just moved town from Orlando back to West Palm Beach so I can help fund my travel to get to these international events. So that's going to be expensive, but... 
pretty much anyone that's doing it is basically moving in with family in some way or another basically drop their stuff off there to save on rent or whatever living expenses they can and then put all that money into traveling so that is something that I'm going to be trying to do over the next couple of years is like saving up money on my own um, bringing on sponsors just anything I can do to get to those events because that's really all the answers that they gave us so far for how to qualify is just your best bet at this point is start going to the feast events as soon as you can uh, Olympics are probably the same way it's the UCI Supercross series mm -hmm. so you have to do the you know wherever it is Europe uh, South America United States yeah, very, very them. similar process is basically what they kind of told everyone is going to be between freestyle and racing. Right. So, which is which is tough, boy. Cause you just you have to have support. You have to have such huge support. Exactly. Yeah, and it's one of those like I'm grateful that I do have the opportunities that I think I do have the support to like get it done financially. It's going to be a lot of like personal sacrifice and work that everyone has to make. But it's like if you want to do that, like that's I guess the test is like how seriously do you take yourself doing it because at the bottom of the at the end of it isn't like everyone in Olympic hopeful this is more figuring out like who's actually an Olympic hopeful here like who's going to put in the work and make it actually happen for themselves right right I gotcha wow that's amazing to me and we all know that bike sponsorships uh, or sponsorships in general are not really kicking in much cash nowadays support so it's it's mostly product it's product flow so it's not that's not going to help you get to to switzerland for the for a stop or or estonia or wherever else right yeah yeah so like so far i don't have any sponsors that are like okay cool here's a plane ticket go do your thing but it's like every penny saved on like okay cool i just like broke a bike part or i just crashed in this helmet i need to replace it every dollar that I don't have to spend on equipment or something that's something that's saved to be able to put towards travel so every little bit does help but yeah it is probably going to be a lot of personal savings being spent on the actual travel and funding of things at least unless like outside sponsors come in from like out of the bike industry or if the bike industry like gets out of its slump and starts to take a tick upwards and pro riders can start to see a little bit more support on the traveling front but it's definitely in a pretty deep lull like like right now so right having raced this is a big question for me uh why do you think freestyle and whether it's park street dirt why do you think all of it does so much better than bmx racing nowadays in your opinion I would say it's a number of things. Um, main one being is that freestyle is a lot easier to access for most people. You don't need a local organization running a track. Um, so you can really do it wherever, like just riding in your neighborhood. You can go into the woods and build jumps as long as you don't live in Florida. Um, <laughs> right. Sand, sand capital of the world. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. basically just Aside a lot more Egypt. accessible to start with. But it's also there's so many different ways that you can do it like it draws in a larger number of people with racing it's like you really have to be that type of person that wants to go in and compete like just cutthroat go as fast as you can the environment and the atmosphere is really not a welcoming place anymore for the type of person that just wants to go have fun with their friends and just enjoy the feeling of riding you can do that but it's the whole atmosphere of that it's not as supported anymore as it maybe once was or as it now is in freestyle where you can kind of make it whatever you want if you want to do the whole competitive thing you can if you want to just cruise around with your buds you can if you want to ride alone you can so it's really just it can draw a lot different types of people into it and then just being more accessible just i don't know for sure if it has a higher participation rate these days but i know like the local moto counts that like races and stuff from when i was a kid to nowadays have just plummeted so I could tell you for sure it's dropped considerably. And a good indicator, and this is another question for me, would be uh, social media, you know, on the freestyle end, they kill it. They absolutely kill the BMXers. The BMXers just are not, I don't know what it is. Uh, there are very few BMXers on social media that are very successful at it in most old 
the gold medalist Connor Fields is has a fraction of the following of Scotty Kramer. You know, it's what is it that that they know that BMXers don't. <laughs> Uh, so that I would honestly say it's not even anything that anyone's doing right or wrong it's just kind of the limitations of BMX racing is like aside from a couple of like really talented BMX racers that do some gnarly like manual combos or transfers from straightaway to straightaway how interesting can you keep your social media feed if all you're doing is just going fast on different tracks like whereas with freestyle there's so many different things you can do that's entertaining I mean, you could maybe show, like, your training regimen or something like that for racing. But as far as, like, freestyle, like, I would say it's the same reason that I drifted away from racing just to ride freestyle on my own is it's just so much more you can do with the freestyle atmosphere instead of, like, the very serious, like, everything is about just winning style of racing. Um, And it's just more entertaining, like, so many different styles of riding, so many different things you can do for, like, creating entertaining stuff on the freestyle side of things it's really with like the webisode thing these days has turned into like kids that don't even ride bmx are watching it just for the entertainment factor um i really don't think that could be a thing with racing unless kids just decide oh i'm really excited watching you go fast down a track that looks just the same as every other track i've ever seen i have to agree with you slide dig at modern track builders sorry yeah well <laughs> it's true although i could say up in this neck of the woods tracks don't change they don't change much um, not every one of them but but most have have remained somewhat the same shape jumps have changed a little you bit inside of a u m shape whatever it is yeah well they're pretty uniquely shaped around here but uh, as soon as you get south of here, then it starts to become you instead of you. And, yeah, and I mean, it's basically just put a really big starting hill in a parking lot and call it a day. Change right. the layout slightly, but to the average yeah. viewer, looks identical from track to track. Yeah. So, it's really, there's not a lot of entertainment value, whereas, like, with freestyle, like, the way that really popular, like, social media people are able to do it is they document their traveling, their day-to-day, like how they get that done, uh, hanging out with their friends and just being goofy. And then the tricks, there's just so much more opportunity for different styles that appeal to different people. That's just, I think by nature, a much more entertaining thing to watch than racing is. I agree. I agree completely. Nothing against racing. It's fun and all. It's just, it did get boring. That's why I stopped doing it. Mm -hmm. No, it makes total sense. And I'm not sure how or if it's even possible for it to to rebound to the point that it was I, but um but i think there's the, some uh, lessons to be learned yeah probably the best thing for racing to do if it really wants to rebound is stop like stop taking it so seriously like that's where you saw the like serious downturn in participation for really all forms of cycling is when they get it over organized like overly structured start disciplining fun just really make it to where it's like this huge production instead of just it should be just this group of people that really like riding small bikes really fast you get together enjoy each other's company feel the adrenaline of like ripping around a track with your friends and then that's it but instead it's turned into like oh man like each track has to have their like junior olympic development program and all of that sort of thing and they're just taking it way too seriously when at the end of the day it should just be bmx like it's just another form like it just should be ripping around on a dirt track whereas nowadays it's like oh man this track has to look super gnarly with this 40 foot berm jump and we got to be training like 13 year olds to like have proper nutrition and it's like why don't you just let them have fun jumping their bikes on a dirt mound like things that like we used to get in trouble for doing as kids at tracks which is kind of why we drifted away from it what about the difference in in technology between freestyle and BMX? Uh, as far as bike technology? Bike or? technology, sorry, yeah. Um, what people are using in BMX versus what people are using in freestyle? Honestly, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of difference. We have seen, like, carbon fiber becoming a thing in BMX racing, but there is always the, like, debate of steel versus aluminum now it's just okay aluminum versus carbon really nothing has changed there i honestly don't even think it's that much of a technological improvement just because like i mean if you look at the rest of the bike industry 
just because it's carbon doesn't mean it's good. Is it good carbon, bad carbon? Like there's knockoff carbon, there's really great carbon that's researched well and it does perform better. But then it's like, how much do you need that if you're just racing at the amateur level and then any crash where the bike gets impacted in a weird way breaks it? Like, I think that's just another level of taking it too seriously instead of just making it fun and being able to just goof around with it. Then you're talking less accessible, right? I mean, if you're, yes. if you're turning, if you're bringing that into the... Definitely in, less accessible. I mean, I see it where it's like, there's parents that have like nailed down, super, like super successful, like really financially stable jobs. So their hobby is basically like keeping their kids sort of like people tinker with RC cars where they do all these carbon fiber upgrades and like motor hop ups and stuff like that. That's a fun little toy for them to tinker with and they stick their kids in the track and they race around and that's all good fun but it could definitely burn out the family that's just struggling to make end meets and get to the track every week when they're putting their kid on like a hundred dollar like used bike up against some kid that's on something like carbon wheels disc brakes like aero wheels and all that sort of thing even though it's still I don't think the technology is there that really makes it that much of an advantage. It really throws this mind game at like a little kid, like being up against someone that looks like they're on something Lance Armstrong would ride. Right. That's always been a, an issue that I've had is, you know, back when we rode, it was, you could ride the same bike that you rode at the trails, you could race, you could ride at the park, you could ride it anywhere. Now, there's a plane. Um, now it's it's a race specific bike you clip in you've got shoes that clip into the pedals like a mountain bike would or you would on a mountain bike or a road bike so the same kid that races can't just pull up to the trails because he has to switch pedals and then he has to learn how to ride flat pedals after he just got done racing which is difficult to do it's a completely different pedaling style not that I've tried it, but I've ridden, you know, road bikes and mountain bikes, so I know the, the yeah. feeling difference, but on a BMX bike, I would never do it. So that seems to be a little odd to me. Well, that... I honestly think that's sort of, like, present even just within freestyle, um, and that's just differences between the bikes. Like, even though my racing bike and my freestyle bike on the surface might look somewhat similar just because they're both steel frame, like, aluminum wheels, profile parts, like... They look really similar from a distance, but if you put them next to each other, you'll see that the freestyle bike is shorter, a more compact geometry, built a little bit tougher. It's got an extra brake slapped on there, fatter tires. There's all kinds of subtle differences that make it so, back in the day, there really wasn't like different styles of BMX rider. It's like you rode BMX, which meant you did flatland, you raced, you rode ramps, you rode trails, like whatever it was, you were just having fun. And that's really how I like to keep it for myself. But there are a lot of uh, people that do get into like, okay, well, I'm a street rider only, or I'm a park rider only, or I'm a racer only. And that's all well and good. But you even see that within freestyle now. It's not just the difference between like racing bikes and freestyle bikes these days. There's different styles of freestyle bikes. You have like a bike that you would very easily identify. It's like, okay, this is designed for street. This one is designed for park. This one here is designed for trails. This is tech ramp. This is whatever style you want to set your bike up like. And you can tell just by looking at them what they're designed to do better. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that's necessarily a problem. It's more just the bikes being coming like more refined to better suit purposes for sports that like really it's hard to like be that like Renaissance style rider that's good at everything as the progression in each style of sport gets so much higher like being a top rider for racing and a top rider for freestyle is entirely different now than it would have been a couple of years ago just because racing has progressed so much freestyle has progressed so much and now there's like the different branches of freestyle that it's like unless you're just goofing around and doing it for yourself like as far as like a really well-rounded rider that like kills it at a racetrack, kills it at the trails, kills it at a like tech ramp setup, does flatland. I really don't know if much of that exists. And at the very least, somebody that's doing those things at a really high level. There might be people that like play around and dabble in each one, but as far as like pro level for each one, it's so much harder to like get yourself to that level for 
each respective style of riding just because that level has gone up so much in recent years. Right. So I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. It's more just a sign of like specialization, which I guess as a society we've decided is a good thing. <laughs> right, right. So I guess it comes down to the level you want to take BMX to. And, and it, maybe kids are just getting scared off because it seems overwhelming choosing between these different layers of BMX, these different types of BMX. Or, you know, so maybe racing, I would think, would scare them off primarily because it's structured, like you say. But, um, well, and you know what really got me to go to freestyle over racing, just in my experience, and maybe it's the same for other people, why a lot of people are drifting away from racing is just freestyle being so much more accessible. Like back when it was like the racing days, I was counting on my parents to take me to the track that was only open two times a week. So you really depend on other people to make it happen. Whereas freestyle BMX, I would just hop on my bike after school and go ride around the neighborhood and do whatever I want. And it was that sense of freedom that really drew me to it that you really can't have with racing unless you like have a pump track or something that's conveniently located, which is becoming more of a thing, which I think that's probably a good solution if people are trying to save racing. But it's kind of one of those, I, I honestly don't know like what the point of trying to keep like what you do popular would be. Cause for me, it's like, as long as like I can ride what I want to ride, I don't care if like there's a million other people riding or if it's just me riding, like I'm doing it for me. So as far as with racing, aside from being able to support like really like state of the art tracks that are like fully lit up at night and like paved turns and everything, yeah, it's nice to have enough, like, ridership and, like, members out there to, like, pay for all of those things. But just because, like, you don't have enough riders to support that sort of thing doesn't mean that you can't create yourself, like, a really cool pump track or even, like, a track with dirt turns that's, like, open in the day, whatever it is. Like, I really don't think you need to depend on, like, a high rider count to be able to enjoy what you're doing on your own. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And the rider counts aren't there, but yet they keep building. They're building, building, building. But... I think that aligns more with the UCI. I think they're following UCI, and UCI wants more of those kind of tracks because that's what they believe BMX, how BMX is going to be successful is if they copy this model. But Yeah, not, I think that's honestly, that's working. where they took a wrong turn back right. when BMX racing got added to the Olympics is right. everyone tried to pretend that they were Olympian instead of just keeping going with the same thing that they were doing and just having fun getting together and riding super cool tracks. Everything now is getting like super hard packed in soil, tacked, mellowed out, super long gaps, like scary stuff to ride that like, there's really no progression between like the amateur tracks. They mellow out so much so people can just pedal over them to then you just have the pro jumps and it's like, where do you learn to go between the two? And it just drives people off. Um, with freestyle, I really don't know like if that could be a problem just because yeah, there's going to be that style of riding that develops where it gets taken really seriously and people start getting super competitive about park riding, but they can do that all they want. It's not going to stop other people from going out and digging trails in the woods or riding street on their own, whatever they want to do with it. Whereas with racing, when they added the Olympic thing to it and tried to start copying that on the local level, it really drove a lot of people away because there was nowhere else to go other than say a pump track, which is a little bit different, I'd say, because you can do that on a park bike, no problem. Right, I gotcha. Where do you see women's BMX going overall? Is it heading a, a good direction uh, versus past years or what do you think? Uh, I don't know, I mean, it's hard to say like what it should be overall as a scene like I know definitely when I was like growing up as a kid like looking up to like all my favorite pros and everything what inspired me and made me want to be a part of anything was just seeing everyone like got along and just made cool stuff happen and just had fun with it um but it's is that what it was actually like or was that just my perception because of what I was hoping it would be I don't know but I can definitely see with competitions being taken so seriously, we are starting to lose some of that like camaraderie that really drew me to BMX freestyle in the first place. But um, 
I don't know, like I said, it's hard to say like what the overall scene should or shouldn't do because for me, like as long as I can have a group of friends and go out and ride, that's really all that matters. Like I'm not going to try to stop other people from creating what they want it to be. If they really want to get like cutthroat competitive and not have like the camaraderie and like going on road trips with your friends, that's fine. But that's for them to do and I'll just do my thing. Like it doesn't really bother me overall what the scene does either way. Got it. It is cool to have the opportunities opening though. So if there is like a woman that wants to do the like super competitive thing, like she has that opportunity to do it. Got it. So I'd say that's a good thing, like really. Yeah. It seems stronger to me. (laughs) That's right. It seems stronger to me than it has in the past. Mm -hmm. And it seems generationally stronger. So there's you know, there's there's younger girls all the way up through um you know, mothers, you know, or just plain women in their 30s and 40s, where that wasn't, we hardly saw that at all, I don't believe, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It was concentrated to like the 16 and under, maybe, and a few few women would continue on into their maybe late teens, early 20s, that was it. So no doubt just like the number of riders is awesome to see that growing so you're gonna have everyone from like seriously like one of like the groups that I see growing a lot right now is actually like moms getting into BMX because like their husband rides or their kids ride or something like that like older women that are realizing like hey just because this wasn't something that was like socially acceptable to do or I didn't really think of it as a possibility when I was younger doesn't mean I can't get into it and have fun at whatever level I can get to now Um, so I do see it growing that way and I do think it's awesome for other people to be able to see like that freestyle is for anyone to have fun with and then as far as just number of riders in general too and the generational sort of aspect of it you can really see like the women that really set the precedent of like yeah girls can ride freestyle to the next generation of like okay cool well you know girls can ride freestyle let's say that girls can ride freestyle just as well as men and you're definitely starting to like see the progression skyrocket where there's like more than one girl that's just like absolutely killing it at a level that really didn't seem imaginable for women to do a couple of years ago sure it goes the same way with kind of the evolution of of regardless of gender of of all people that ride, I find that people are riding until, you know, an older age. And and now you're, we're talking about women picking it up at an older age and, and accomplishing exactly what they want to accomplish, whether it's making it around a pump track or, or hitting a jump line. So that's good news. Yeah, like you're seeing, like, little kids that are killing it, people that are, like, over 40 killing it. You're seeing, like men women anyone like that's the best thing about freestyle is it's like it's both that perfect balance of a social thing where like you can have those interactions to like help push you and help you grow with other people but it's also this individualistic thing where like you don't need to compare yourself to other people when you're doing it you really just get to like become the best version of yourself whatever that may be and be satisfied with that Right. I'm glad you mentioned that because we did have a conversation about that at one at one point this past weekend, and and it was about making it through lines and and just riding, and you know, performing in in the way that that's really about yourself. You know, it's it's you're not performing for anyone else. You're you're performing for yourself. So I thought that was an interesting take that you had on it. Um, you could probably clarify that better than I I just explained it but yeah it's uh, I guess what we were talking about there is just being happy with like your own growth and progression at whatever level you may be whether it's like you doing your first flare or you doing your first bunny hop like no matter what it is it feels good and I like being involved in communities where like both of those things are like appreciated just the same and that's seriously where like personal growth and progression is going to happen is when you don't think about like oh well this person did that and like I'm going to hold myself to that standard like it should be like what did I do yesterday did I do something cooler today awesome did I not whatever did I have fun cool then that's the end of it and like 
when you really make your writing just about like creating fun opportunities for yourself and sharing that with other people for me that's what the core of freestyle is about rather than like trying to compete with other people or rather than trying to compete with other people definitely lost that train of thought uh individualistic for sure I remember there was there was a moment when you were riding at, at Caddy and you did a turndown or a T-bog or something and and you, you you stated in a really nice way you stated that basically you did that you were happy for you you did it for you that trick whatever it was you accomplished it for you it kind of gave me a message that you weren't doing it for anyone else but yourself and you were happy about it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I've definitely had to battle a lot of um, like outside influences and just being really susceptible to those things recently. Um, it became really hard to like keep my writing about myself just it's kind of hard like it was hard not to compare myself to other people just I have on one hand being told by some people that I'm too good to be riding in competitions on another hand I have like my own insecurities of like I'm not good enough then you have like the fear of injuries with like my recent traumatic injuries that I've had my little sister going through what she went through and it was really hard to just forget all of that and get back to just the root of having fun and then of course the position that I found myself in over the past couple of years is like I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to like be this inspirational like oh look like women can do anything like trans women can do anything and we can be happy and all this stuff and I didn't allow myself to just enjoy my riding for myself and it was really good to be able to get that back recently to just ride what I'm comfortable riding with not feel like oh man I have to show that look women can get through the biggest line I can like be happy getting through the lines that I got through and just enjoy the feeling of it and not be scared of crashing because I'm so worried about like what kind of pressure that would put on other people if I fall and a whole slew of just like putting way too much pressure on myself to please other people instead of just keeping my riding about me and the feeling of it honestly i'm like losing a lot of the stuff that we talked about before i'm like that, how did i say that again it's exactly <laughs> the conversation that i remember and it's exactly what uh was kind of a a hurdle that you overcame that that weekend that was a big deal for you right yeah to, so to really get through that just to simplify and like kind of organize my thoughts this past weekend at the uh the women's weekend in the woods there at posh and caddy was just a really big breakthrough for me because I showed up like came into this trip just really holding myself to the standard of I'm going to hit every line there it's what I've always done is just held myself to the standard that I don't even know exactly like it was a couple of things honestly so one of them was I really wanted to just show that it's possible to for like women to be able to hit every line part of it still though is like the pressure I put on myself as a trans woman I'm like well I don't get to make the excuse of like oh you know none of the other girls are hitting it it's like I put so much pressure on myself feeling like people would look at me and not like be accommodating of that and be like oh well why can't you just hit the lines that the rest of the dudes can hit and like that was something that I did to myself really um, um I think that it, it, is that a challenge for you in trying not to internalize it and just be yourself and definitely so more or less like what's been going on in Chelsea's world for the past year or so is late last year I decided to see how things would be on the contest scene for me because it is something that I've always wanted to be able to do I've always been inspired by women that get to go to all these contests and compete at the highest level and for me if I really want to like pursue my dreams it involves riding in contests um 
So I went to Feast Denver last year kind of just to open that dialogue and see how people felt about it because I really didn't know more or less like how other people would feel about me riding in competitions and unfortunately at the time I wasn't strong enough to realize that I need to be able to answer that question for myself. It shouldn't be something that I ask other people for permission to do. But that's just the pressure that um, I had put on myself from like a really weird childhood and then just existing as a trans person in general is I found myself asking for permission to exist rather than just saying like, hey, I exist, this is okay because I say so. There's nothing like, I need to be able to support myself. And uh, so I went to Feast Denver last year, kind of like asked the question basically like, hey, is it okay for trans women to compete in UCR World Cups? According to the rule books, as long as we're on HRT and everything, yes. Um, but obviously, like, if I was another competitor, I probably wouldn't want to compete against me either because I'm pretty good at what I do, but in the same way that, like, I'm sure nobody wants to compete against Hannah knowing that she's going to, like, be really hard to beat. Um, so the answer that I got told was, in the best case was not yet the women's scene isn't progressed to that point so you're still too good um some of the worst answers including like were including basically no just flat out no like don't compete you're too good blah 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 so I took that message and I really tried to just accept it because it's hard to like go against people that you've looked up to for so many years and that you call your friends and just stand up to them and believe in yourself when you're being fed so many like outside stimulants telling you to just go with the flow. So the first answer I gave myself is, all right, well, I'm just going to really try to push the envelope here and progress as much as I can to catch the guys. And for a couple months that was working out, I definitely learned how to air hire. Tricks didn't really come or anything, but at first what I thought was progression and learning how to just turn off fear and just do anything I wanted to do turned out to be developing PTSD and learning how to use like past trauma in my life to just not feel anything and force myself to do things that I really should not have been doing and it resulted in a string of really bad accidents that as much as like you should have to push yourself to like be out of your comfort zone a little bit to progress, it was a completely unhealthy um, rate of progression that I was trying to follow there and catch up to guys. And I'm talking like I would be cranking at vert quarters as fast as I could possibly go to try to like just go as high as like Corey Walsh and like Trey Jones and Chase Hawk and all. And I'd be in the transition and my legs would buckle out from underneath me and I'd just either have to bail and like get lucky getting away from it or a couple of really bad slams and it came down to like I think where it finally hit the turning point it took me a minute to realize this was the moment that she like told me you can't keep doing this as I was riding street with some guy friends everyone else was like jumping over this obstacle that I knew in my gut I did not have the pop to get over but I forced myself to try it anyways just because I'm like well Clearly, like, I can't be part of the women's scene, so I, to feel like I'm a part of something, I have to force myself to catch up and be a part of the men's scene. And it resulted in my accident where I smashed out my whole front row of teeth, broke my neck, nose, all kinds of stuff. And uh, it took a minute. Like, I definitely full-on, like, traumatic disassociation from that and didn't process that for a few months. But realizing, like... How bad that was made me stop and think like you can't keep pushing like this it's not fair to yourself and you're not gonna live through it if you keep trying to do it because you've had too many like really bad accidents in the past year or so trying to hold yourself to a standard that nobody else is being held to it's almost as though you were being asked to ride like a guy because the girls wouldn't accept you to ride as a girl more or less, yeah. In in the middle of all that, you've got to deal with that internally and and decide which you have to do to continue to do what you love. So, and obviously, it's also hard to just 
accept that you're going to have limitations for what you can do but before I started doing all of this like I seriously was a completely average rider in the women's scene as far as like height goes tricks goes like there really was not much special about me but I really do think that people saw like basically the fact that I was trans as like an easy target to basically say like okay well you're too good like they would basically give me more credit for my riding abilities than I think I was really like entitled to like they would basically see me doing things and see it as like more unattainable just because I was trans and credit me being able to do that to the fact that I'm trans rather than just realizing like one this is like I'm not the only woman doing most of those things and two like the reason I can do those things is the dedication and work and passion that I've always put into my riding so it was definitely hard to accept like look you're not going to be able to catch the guys at least not yet just because like just like anyone else in the women's scene I have not been riding as long as the top guys on the scene and I don't have the same strength and ability to train that they have um, but it took like reaching a breaking point for me to accept that about myself and I'm hoping that now that I can see that about myself maybe it's a little easier for other people to accept too because we all have to have like our time to grow and understand things and be able to like comprehend what we're seeing but I'm just hoping that now that I'm able to like believe in myself and know that like the women's scene and the women's contest scene is where I belong that with that confidence taking myself seriously other people can see that and accept that for themselves as well whereas before it's like what is someone supposed to think if I ask for permission that shows that I don't think it's okay myself I'm asking for somebody else to take it on and support me and putting that pressure on them instead of being like yes I understand this is going to be confusing but I'm the only person that knows what it's like and what it feels like to ride as me with my physical limitations my physical abilities I have to be the one that says like yes this is comparable with what other women are doing and it is normal okay the right thing to do for me to enter into competitions no. have the opportunity to just exist and become the best version of myself that I can be for my own like personal well-being and if other people are inspired by that, that's fantastic. But I can't put that kind of pressure on myself to think like, okay, you need to maintain like this image of like perfect mental health 24 seven. You need to not piss people off that are just going to be pissed off no matter what, because they in their gut aren't ready to support you. A whole number of things that I just went about in the wrong way because I was trying so hard to not draw too much attention to myself. And that's just who I was as a person instead of saying I know what I need to do for me just like anyone else does like when anyone that's at the top of their game for anything is about to like do their thing they're not thinking like oh what does this person think of what I'm doing right now what does that person think is this person inspired does this person not support this they're focusing on what they're doing in that moment and I really did not give myself the opportunity to get to do that so healing from a lot of past traumas and things that I've done to myself, allowed people to do to me and really just had people do to me has been the process for me to be able to accept that I need to do this for me and it's okay that I need to do this for me. It's not selfish or self-centered. It's treating myself with the same respect that everyone deserves. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you figured it out to me. And, uh, it feels like it right now I mean I've had a string of recent breakthroughs that like they always feel like oh cool I've got all the answers for right now but of course new questions arise like as you begin to expand your understandings of things so I'm 100% confident that I know what I need to do and I know how I need to do it and it's just a matter of getting it done now um, new questions are going to come up it's not like it's going to be easy but I'm light years ahead of where I started off as far as like confidence and ability to just stand up for myself and do what I know in my heart is right. Mm -hmm. I know what my reality is and it doesn't matter if somebody else's like, perception of me matches that reality. They can hold that misinformation all they want but I'm the only person that can understand what it's like to be me 
And if I'm asking other people what they think of me to form my idea of who I am, mm. I'm going to get a really confused mix of what it means to be Chelsea. Like, the only way that I can have a solid answer in who I am is if it comes from within me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a strong stance, and I think that's going to be important in your development for sure and especially with competition where you really have to focus and you really have to stay in the zone where you really have to think about what you need to do and not think about what other people are thinking while you're trying to do what you need to do no doubt and that's honestly I think is going to be it's been a hard struggle for me to like figure this answer out but I'm glad that I had the opportunity to like learn this before it comes down to like competition day when like it would be so easy if I hadn't gone through this to like get wrapped up in what other people think of my runs and what somebody else did with their runs instead of just focusing on being the best version of myself and Mm -hmm. not caring what other people think of it not caring what somebody else did with their runs like just focus on doing exactly what I know I need to do for myself is going to seriously be I think what helps me on the competition front in life everything that I'm more so grateful to have the opportunity to get that uh, question answered before it comes time to like take the test more or less right right answered for yourself exactly got it Uh, what about general support do you have a a network that you're that you're uh, encouraged by that you're comforted by no doubt um i've got my friends that like they supported me in times that i couldn't support myself i didn't believe that i even deserved their support but they still gave it to me anyways and that friends network is really what set me on the right track um that along with the help of seeing a professional therapist like it's been what has enabled me to like come to these answers for myself mm-hmm and not everyone is going to be in that friends network and not everyone has to be everyone's allowed to have their own opinions on what they do and don't support and believe is the right thing to do but I think it's better for me to just be able to accept that and not try to pressure people to be part of team Chelsea and just kind of if someone wants to be a part of it welcome them and thank them for their support but if somebody doesn't want to be a part of it I don't know, have fun not in Team Chelsea. Like, <laughs> doesn't seem like a very fun place to me, but. <laughs> right. Well, that's well said. Um, anything you want to finish on? Uh, do you have things coming up that are, that are, um, what's your schedule like? What's, what's on the horizon for you? Oof. Uh, nothing really concrete yet. Um, more or less the huge life change I just made is I quit my job in Orlando moved back home with my family to help save up some money and be able to travel more whether that winds up with me competing in the Olympics or it just winds up with me doing a bunch of trips like I'm on this month where I just fly to a region of wherever I want to go and hang out with people that I meet along the way like whatever it is that's the new lifestyle that I'm creating for myself so it's kind of nice to not have anything dead set on my horizon of like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. But loosely, I am going to be trying to push for qualifying for the Olympics. I mean, that's just as much of a challenge for me as it is for anyone else at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that I've overcome the interpersonal, like mental struggle of getting myself confident enough to feel like I'm ready to do that. It's really just a matter of getting myself to the events and putting together my runs that are going to make it happen. But if I don't, I'm proud of myself just for even getting to the point where I feel like I'm ready to try. And that network is still there to ride with and enjoy BMX for, for at whatever level you you choose it to be down the road? Exactly. Like, the whole going to the Olympics thing, this is actually a breakthrough I had over the weekend, is it's not something that I need to do to feel accomplished about myself or feel like people care about me or that I've inspired anyone. I have my friends network and support network and everything that I have because of who I am as a person. And if I quit riding today or I stop riding at the level that I ride at today and just pump around on some rollers, like I'll still have all the same friends that I've always had along the way. And that's really all that I need. So 
I'm really not setting myself up to put too much pressure on myself to be like, yes, you need to qualify for the Olympics. It's more of just, you know, that'd be a fun thing to do with your life. It's pretty exciting that you have such a good opportunity to go for it. And why wouldn't you try if anyone else were in my position? So. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It really is. Because you enjoy doing what you're doing and, and it's not dependent. Continuing it isn't dependent on a particular thing happening or, or being successful at that one particular thing. You're still... Yeah, it's just a new way to open up doors and have fun. Like, what a great excuse to travel the world and ride with more people is, okay, cool, there's a contest going on here. Let me go there and adventure around the area for a little bit. And who knows, maybe it'll lead to the Olympics. But if it doesn't, I still got to go on all these cool adventures. They're all experiences. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, if you look back on, like, your racing days or, like, even specific, like, events that you've gone to for freestyle do you remember the moments that you were riding of like oh man I did like this run or whatever or I got this place like what you remember is the friendships that you make and the people that you get to interact with by traveling and just broadening your horizons because let's be real like people that are as cool as the people that I know are spread out all over the place you can't concentrate them into one town you really do have to get out there and travel to meet people that have those personalities that really just inspire you to grow so the more I can do that the better anyone you'd like to thank anyone that that's um that sticks out to you is whether it be sponsors or otherwise yeah I mean first and foremost I have to thank my friends they've supported me since the start um who have supported me recently like in this past year where stuff really got tough mentally and I really couldn't hold myself up to like have someone to show me that I deserve to be pulled out of the mud and stand on my feet again I literally would not have survived without that so I seriously have to thank my friends for just being there for me in those times that I needed it Um, definitely gonna have to thank my family for being willing to support me trying to follow my dreams of just getting to ride my bike and travel around and enjoy life while I'm young that leads into like sponsors like right now gt is all she wrote but that's pretty exciting to be sponsored by such a legendary brand so i really have to thank tara and ben and everyone who's helped me out with that and the support that they give me is just more than i ever imagined and uh locals yeah i mean definitely like to everyone who's created like something awesome like a scene that's worth traveling to and experiencing thank you for welcoming me with open arms and putting in the work to create something that's worth flying out to and just hosting me and letting me experience the greatness that you've created Mm -hmm. I I think it opened up uh, into some things that neither you or I may have planned planned on talking about which which is nice yeah thank you Chelsea that was an amazing interview that I'm sure people will find value in. This interview was recorded on location at the Green Manor Trails in Enfield, Connecticut. Stay tuned for more interviews, and please rate the podcast and comment when you have a moment. Let's keep this ball rolling and keep looking at some of the other side of BMX. Thanks.